I wonder if this is recording. This is Jared's secret segment, where he talks about the fact that it is 1.22 on a Sunday afternoon. You know, that's the thing about noon and afternoon. Noon is 12 o'clock exactly, but what's 12.01? You know, so nobody says good noon, even though it's 12.30. You say good afternoon. When do you say good noon? It's good morning, good afternoon, good evening, but there's no good noon. No noons are good. Just leaving messages for me to listen to later. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you know that that guy in the coffee shop, his anger but not anger reminded me of stoicism and controlling yourself. Right. Paint paint a picture. What's the scene here? It's right before this podcast. Yes. You're coming into a Starbucks. To I decided I wanted to surprise you with coffee. Which was very nice. Yes. Yeah. You got a mocha, which is exactly what I wanted without you telling me. I scrolled up through our past conversations and saw you wanted a peppermint mocha one time. So yeah. I was like, I'll get him a mocha. That was back during one of the Christmas episodes, yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I walk inside, hoping it's not too long a line. And there's only two guys. But as I get up to the line, I hear this one guy, the guy up front, saying to the little Asian girl behind the counter, no, 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 I need you to slow down. Listen to my order. And he talked about this sandwich that they had clearly missed or something. And she looked very concerned. Oh like, does God. she think he's trying to swindle her? But he's also, he sounded, his tone was angry but controlled. It was interesting because it sounded like he was going to explode at any moment. When you were doing an impression of him before, I was like, this guy sounds like he's negotiating with like a yeah. foreign military. <laughs> We're here in peace. This yeah. is just a training operation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 what it sounded like. It was yeah. like he was in a suit. He was in super serious mode. He sounded mad but controlled. And I'm just thinking, man, this. I don't know if he's super pissed or very understanding and just trying to get his point across. I wonder if she <laughs> was just speaking too fast for him, and maybe she had, like, an accent that made it difficult for she him to understand. She had a very slight accent. Slight. Yeah. So it wasn't even, like... It's not that bad. She came to me, like, what would you like to order? How did order? Fine. Perfect. Yeah. The only thing she messed up that everybody messes up is my name, because I say Jared, but it's a crowded restaurant, and it's an unusual name, so she said, Jerry? And I said, yeah. Good enough. It's close enough. Yeah. yeah. I never so told them my real say name. Jerry. <laughs> I never tell Starbucks people or anybody my like my real name. It's such a waste of time. Yeah. R A B H A E. No, it's not. It, like sometimes they'll say Raf, and yeah. then they'll be like Rav, like Ravinder. Yeah. They'll be like, no. <laughs> yeah. My one friend is so funny. He doesn't even have a complicated name. His name is Mark. And where whenever he gets a coffee or even just orders food and they ask for his name, he says Duke. Duke. Don't know why. Never you know? asked him, but he always he always orders by the name duke a starbucks is the opportunity for you to just be whoever you wanted to be yeah you know <laughs> who you've always wanted to be to be honest i just walk in there i usually just tell them my dad's name I go, George. oh yeah yeah because <laughs> they like you're not gonna mess that up but mm -hmm. then occasionally they somehow do Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of a teacher at school it was so funny he was he was a nice guy and he would try to be like I guess sensitive to yeah. racial stuff even though that never really came out ever no. it was just this one time it was so freaking funny there's this Asian kid named David and in my school they would give awards for good behavior or doing nice things or something and so in front of the whole school which is only like 
a few hundred people. And someone who won this award, David, he stands up, walks over as this little Asian kid that's in his class, and he walks up and goes, it's David. <laughs> it, like, perfect English. Like, like, this kid obviously grew up here. I just, what culture does say David? None. Literally who, none of them. <laughs> I guess he just knew the kid was Asian. My Egyptian cousins are named David, and people just say yeah. David. Yeah. Even, like, in the middle of, like, really... <laughs> heavy Arabic accents in a phrase they'll just be like David and then they'll like that's nobody's gonna mess that up yeah, yeah. it's hilarious but he's in front of everybody David <laughs> well we are here to talk about stoicism welcome to the Forest Creek podcast you may remember from our first episode episode 7 one entitled first episode it's the real first episode. first episode we were kind of trying to talk a little bit about stoicism as one of the philosophies that we were interested in at the time uh, it is a very wide topic especially as i've gotten a chance to read a little bit more into it since then mm. i knew of it before from just general studying philosophy or in school and whatnot but I'd never gotten a chance to really dig into it. And more recently, I have been just being on this motivational kind of stretch, you know, like what does Meditations by Marcus Aurelius actually all about mm. and all that. And it's it's a fascinating and quite beneficial philosophy. It's a way of belief held by a lot of people throughout history, uh, some of the greatest minds, some of the most disciplined people, some of the most accomplished people. Jared, you were, you've been into Stoicism a little bit longer than I have, technically. Only a little over a year. Yeah. And I'm not even that particularly into it. It's more so I found its teachings, and I thought, this is actually rather interesting. The only, All of my information comes from Ryan Holiday, the Daily Stoic. The Daily Stoic, yeah. <laughs> I started listening to his podcast. That he, he does a, a morning podcast that's just like a few oh, minutes okay. long. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I listen to it when it's a few minutes long. Sometimes he'll do like an hour and 50 minutes yeah. interview with somebody that I... You know, yeah, not that Ryan Holiday is an interesting source of stoicism mm -hmm. because the thing about stoicism is that it hasn't changed in the last thousand or two thousand, however many years. Yes, like a lot of philosophies, so, a lot of values. Yeah, yeah. and so watching Ryan Holiday was, whoa, learning thing, learning thing, learning thing, and then at some point kind of fell out of listening to him. And I come back, it's like, hold on. He's saying the exact same things. And it's been seven months. Wow. I'm like, oh, he's, of source material. he says the same thing. Yeah. Over and over again. <laughs> like, he's great. He's a perfect introduction to Stoicism, and he's written multiple books on it. Like, he's mm -hmm. super well read, and this is. And he enacts it in his life. I think it's one of those things where it's not a complicated mm -mm. body of ideas. To the point where there's really just a handful of lessons that you're yeah. going to take out of it, but the applications are just so wide and varied. The yeah. use case is so big because your life is very different from other people's lives. Yeah. And it's funny to say that, you know, we all we live very differently now mm -hmm. than the ancient Greeks and ancient Stoics in Rome lived. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're just people. We're still people. Yeah, and, we and still that have people values. aspect never changes, which is really interesting because you can, like, I'll read stuff from the Bible and I go, I think, ex I feel exactly yes. what Paul is saying. Mm -hmm. yeah. Something like that. Or like freaking Abraham 10 billion years ago. And he does something stupid. And I'm like, yeah, I do stupid things like that, too. <laughs> I mentioned uh, a series called 
Mythos by Stephen Fry. It's like an mm. audiobook trilogy that he does for ancient Greek mythology from the very beginning all the way up to the Siege of Troy. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, especially the first book, Mythos, because it talks about the beginnings of a lot of uh, the gods, which are like personifications of just everyday things that people come across, mm-hmm. right? Like the muses or the different types of love and stuff like that. And every one of those stories in that mythology is like, this is a very regular everyday thing that humans encounter, but here's the very first time it happened. Mm. You know? Interesting. Yeah. But in the case of Stoicism, there's a lot of similarity to it with other beliefs such as those that you might even be found in Taoism mm-hmm. or in uh, Confucian values and beliefs Yeah. as well. Just anybody who is intent on being disciplined in setting goals and accomplishing them, in trying to focus on what is important in their lives, they tend to come across values, beliefs, lessons, and ideas that are very similar to Stoicism. Mm-hmm. When we talk about the Stoics, I think the first one for me that comes to mind was Marcus Aurelius, mm. because he wrote Meditations, which was like his journal. It was never intended to be published. Yes. But it was his thought process, the lessons that he learned each day. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because Marcus Aurelius, by the time he wrote it, he was the adopted son of Hadrian, who was the previous Roman emperor. And so he became Roman emperor in his right, dealt with the ev- everyday things of Roman emperors, waging wars and campaigns, mm-hmm. politics, managing democracy, all this stuff. And it's interesting that the logical and everyday communicative language of the time was Latin, but the philosophical language of the time was Greek. Mm -hmm. Just like in, I want to say Elizabethan England, the everyday language was English, but the language of the aristocracy was French. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. That was actually in Shakespeare's time. Yeah. So one of the things that was actually so great about Shakespeare was that he made English the language of the aristocracy because all his plays and stuff were in English. Yeah. But to come back to the Stoics, um, so Marcus Aurelius wrote these meditations in Greek and they're an excellent central work for people to read and understand Stoicism. It's basically a, here is how you manage your reactions to situations so that they are appropriate. Yeah. Or how to consider the values that are really important to you and not just aesthetically important. Mm -hmm. There are other great Stoic writers like Seneca, who was famous for being homeless on purpose. Yes. So that he could take the thing that people feared so much and be like, this is what you're afraid of? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I think that Seneca and that practice is what I've taken to the most. I I haven't been practicing homelessness or poverty, but (laughs) in small degrees, like when I first found it out, one of the things I was also reading Vagabond at the time, or at least thinking about Miyamoto Musashi, and the idea that both of them shared quotes from like Seneca and Miyamoto were um, this idea of not indulging in fine foods and delicious things. And or just being interested in the material world. Yeah. Musashi's fascinating because he's like a stoic without being a stoic. Yeah, Musashi blew my mind with one quote where he said, never sleep with a roof over your head. Mm-hmm. I was like, dang, that's freaking crazy. Because then, then I'm thinking back to Diogenes, who had two, he had two possessions. Not a stoic. Diogenes, not a stoic. Not a stoic. Not a stoic. <laughs> but thinking about Diogenes and that he had two possessions, a bowl and a big pot that he lived in. His pot was his shelter, and his bowl was what he ate from and drank from. And one day he saw a a little boy drink from a pond of water by cupping his hands together, and he said, why do I need this bowl? (laughs) 
<laughs> and so now he's down away. to just the big pot that he lives in. And then Miyamoto says, never sleep with a roof over your head. Yeah. And so you you don't even need that. It's crazy. I think there's also something reminiscent of uh, early Christianity to it, too, mm-hmm. right? When Jesus is walking around and people ask him, Lord, what do I need to do to follow you? He's like, yeah. sell everything you own. Yep. And then come follow. Yeah. Not even sell everything away. you own just there is and give all the money to the poor yes so literally have nothing have nothing and then yeah. follow me and yeah. later on paul talks about i meant to look up the verse but um paul says something along the lines of i have found the secret to being content in both poverty and riches and i when i first read that i was like i want that that would be amazing because mm-hmm. it's what can what can nothing can happen to you if you're perfectly content in every single situation then you're in poverty and riches then you're fine there are other philosophers quoted for stoicism uh such as epicetus or zeno i Um, heard about zeno today for the first time really i looked up some video on stoicism to prep me for the podcast and apparently he's considered the father of stoicism oh interesting yeah he was i guess because what was it who did he read not Seneca, not Epictetus, Socrates in whatever city. Technically, he would have read Plato. Plato. Yeah. Okay, this guy men- mentioned Socrates. We'll, we'll go back because I did do or a is, little bit of I don't a, know the relationship. Is Socrates Plato's is, teacher? Let me let me explain it yeah. real quick just so people get a good picture. Because mm-hmm. there's two sides to the Stoics. There is the Greeks and then there's the Romans. Mm-hmm. Um, among the Greeks, the tradition of philosophy, we had Socrates, who was the first person to start asking, Why? What? <laughs> Uh, Socrates, the Socratic method is when you keep asking questions in order to get. I like the idea that Socrates is just a five-year-old. Well, there's a famous discussion (laughs) that he had with his friend who was a priest, and his friend was like, you should really stop asking me questions because this is getting to heresy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But Socrates actually believed that writing things down was bad. Mm. He did not like books. He thought that if you wrote everything down, you'd never have to remember yes, anything. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Who was who was the guy that first introduced the idea of written law? That well, I don't know about written law, but his student was Plato, mm-hmm. and Plato wrote down a lot of his conversations with Socrates in a book known as Plato's Republic. Mm. Uh, Plato was the big wrote down everything that Socrates taught him, and then he wrote down everything that he later learned. Mm. And Plato was the teacher to Aristotle. Okay. At the time. So Aristotle went on to advance not just philosophy, but a lot of what we know about like math and physics and science in general. There were others of his time, such as Pythagoras, who Mm -hmm. is not only a philosopher, but a great mathematician, uh, who also believed that green beans were alive. So (laughs) (laughs) that that was actually one of the stories is that he was being run out of town by an angry mob, and then he refused to run over a field because he thought that the beans were alive. So then the mob stamped him to death and killed him right there. (laughs) I remember that. I didn't know that was Pythagoras. There's a lot of similar stories like that. Uh, But Stoicism was born around that time because people started to look after what what did it mean to be virtuous. And Mm -hmm. then Stoicism became the people who were seeking after virtue because they Mm -hmm. believed that some of them believed not correctly necessarily that by virtue they would also obtain other things Mm -hmm. Uh, like they could make themselves more like the heroes and then obtain the things that the heroes had whether it was wealth or fame or riches Um, i can't remember what the four virtues of stoicism are they were wisdom courage temperance and justice interesting yeah at the time however in greece 
um, there was a counter movement to Stoicism, mm-hmm. which is funny because looking back at it now, it's like there's actually a lot that they would agree on. The leader of this counter movement was Epicureanism, Epicurus, mm-hmm. and Epicurus is characterized as a counter to Stoics because while Stoics are generally seen as people who are very virtuous and serious and they take themselves very seriously, Mm -hmm. the Epicureans were almost like these Bohemians. (laughs) They also didn't believe very much in material possession and wealth and actually Epicurus would often practice things like don't overeat Mm. because it's not as... Eating a ton alone is not nearly as good as eating a little with people. Yeah. Um, or, you know, Epicurus himself was a, l- a lot of a vagabond, a bohemian, kind of like a homeless guy mm-hmm. would just roam around. But funny enough, Epicurus came to be quoted quite heavily by Seneca mm-hmm. later on because of, well, Seneca used to say it almost as a dig. He would go, I love quoting bad authors when they say good things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Epicurus is different from Epictetus. Yes, that's that is a point of confusion. Yeah, yeah. There's two different guys. Where in the timeline? So, sorry, who Seneca quoted Epicurus? So Seneca, Seneca was, was Roman. Yeah. Epicurus was Greek. Okay, and Epictetus. Yeah. I believe I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm pretty sure Epictetus was also Roman. Was he ra- alive the same time as Seneca, or is he after or before? I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay. I'm not okay. that clear on that side of the history. Mm-hmm. I know a little bit about the Greek side, but. We can talk a little bit about the four values, mm-hmm. but I did pull these three major lessons Ooh. that Stoics practice. Let's so we can go through them to just get an idea of what yeah. these people believe. Yeah. Number one is perception. Epictetus famously said, it's not things that upset us, but our judgments about things. There is no good or bad without us. There is only perception. There is the event itself and the story we tell ourselves about what it means. Mm. So we were talking to some friends beforehand about this idea that we need to bind our perceptions to objective reality as much as possible rather than subjective reality. Mm -hmm. Subjectivity alone happens to be perception. There's a lot of philosophers afterwards who talk about perceptions as the entirety of the world. Uh, David Hume, who was a very popular counter to Descartes, was famously like that. He said, there is no mind, there is just perceptions. Mm. Um, Descartes, his counterpart, said something quite similar. Uh, Well, he was the I think, therefore I am guy. Okay. So Descartes, if I'm going to dig into this real quickly, his whole deal was that he got down the rabbit hole of thinking, what is real if your perceptions can actually be fooled? Mm -hmm. So he crawled inside of a furnace and closed it on himself and just thought about this for days. Wait, a furnace? Was it on? No. Okay. <laughs> like an, an empty, cold furnace. He crawled inside of it, closed it on himself, and just thought about okay, this. Okay, okay. For some reason. Until he got, he arrived to, I think, therefore, I am, and that's hmm. all that I know. Interesting. Yeah. But perceptions in the Stoic sense, he go. it's a great way to look at things like you actually don't know how something's going to relate in the long term. And it's really yeah. easy to fixate on the leaf and not see the forest as musashi might put it yeah right it's learn to see the big picture and the small picture and the small picture and the big picture that's one way right a lesson of hermetics is as above so below mm-hmm. um as you the macro patterns are also going to be reflected in the micro patterns and the micro and the macro the other way of looking at it is don't let your the happening completely distract you from your emotion mm-hmm. or like 
influence your emotion to such a great degree um it is easy for you for the apple to fall on your head and you can be upset at the pain but forget about the fact that you do not have an apple yeah you know that's (laughs) one way to put it if you want to expand on this perception thing right yeah it's interesting because there is that whole idea of how do we know that we perceive things the whole thing like was it plato's cave plato's allegory yeah plato's allegory of the cave yeah was that you are going to be sitting down in a cave staring at some shadows on the wall Mm -hmm. not knowing where they're coming from and to you your whole world are these shadows yeah but then one of these days you break free you're released from the cave you're able to go up into the surface world and see this whole new bright world yeah and then you see the sun and you see the shadows it casts of you and other things Mm -hmm. and understand what the shadows are and then you try to go down back into the cave again and tell all these people, it's like, hey, the whole world is not these shadows in the wall. Yeah. And they're like, shh, look what they're doing next. <laughs> but yeah. that is another way of looking at it is to see that your perceptions can also limit mm-hmm. your world. We hear about, you know, tunnel vision all yeah, the time. Yeah, there's loads of that. And there's the whole idea that you only see what you're looking for. If I was invited to go to a family affair that I knew was going to be very boring and I was loathing to go. Mm-hmm. And then on the way, I get a flat tire. It's It would be easy for me to perceive the flat tire as this has ruined everything. Yep. It's ruined my day. Yeah. And not think for a moment, well, I didn't even want to go to that thing in the first place. So now mm-hmm. I get to deal with this. Instead of- <laughs> I think there's a perfect, I believe the word is a koan some ancient story thing a koan is basically a japanese zen poem yes so i learned this from alan watts and it's the pretty famous one i'd say where a man loses his horse and all his neighbors go oh so sad you lost this horse we're so sorry and he goes maybe we'll see and then the next day the horse comes back and it has brought five or six other wild horses with it and they go oh wow amazing such good luck and he goes maybe we'll see yeah <laughs> and then his his son is taming one of the horses falls off breaks his leg oh so sorry it's too bad he goes maybe we'll see and then the next day conscription officers come by and go we're not going to take your son his leg's broken he can't fight in the war and they go oh wow you're so lucky this is amazing maybe we'll see so it's all about yeah. how you perceive it yes it's uh, the single happening in your life mm-hmm. doesn't need to be this massive weight. It doesn't need to be this horrible problem and, yeah. or this tragedy. It can just be something occurred in physics. Yep. But it's not as though that is the last thing that will occur. Yeah. Thought. I like to think in terms of instead of losing something, I, I maybe you told me this. I, it's, I gave it back to the universe. Yeah. 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 And so this summer I was at the beach and... We had our stuff on a little sandbar and lost track of time and the tide came and washed all our stuff. And we went and got we got all of it, but I realized afterwards, oh, I left my flip-flops next to our stuff and they're completely gone. I was like, well, I gave my flip the universe took them back. I'm like, there That's you go. You can have them. Interesting. And I got new flip-flops. Enough that I actually have like probably the most direct experience I've ever had in my life is I found five dollars in the street one time. I was yeah. like, Yeah, I found five dollars in the street. <laughs> and then I was just putting all my stuff aside at one point to go do something. Yeah. And somebody had taken that five dollars. <laughs> well, like it wasn't really mine to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it came and it went. Thought that kind of feeling of like you can be a little bit detached from the 
material around you mm-hmm. and you can be a little bit more detached about the coming and going of it you can be yeah. a little bit more detached about a single bad thing like stubbing your toe yeah it actually helps a lot i mm-hmm. was in mexico just hanging out with some friends we were standing in the beach we we're playing in the water the wave started to pick up one of them hit my face sunglasses gone mm. really nice pair of sunglasses yeah out into the ocean it belongs yeah. to the sea now <laughs> you know? it's interesting sometimes having very nice things is worse than not having them I remember a few years afraid of losing them. Yeah. Yeah. A few years ago, I bought, I built up some money. I was like, you know what? I need new sunglasses. I'm going to, for the first time in my life, I'm going to buy some sweet Ray-Bans. And I spent, I think, over $200 on these really nice polarized sunglasses. Best pair of sunglasses I've ever had. And every waking moment of my day was focused on putting them in the correct spot not touching the lenses, worrying about what was going to bump them. I had them for one week. I left them at a restaurant, called the restaurant that like an hour later when as soon as I realized, I said, hey, I left my expensive sunglasses there. Could you hold them for me? And they said, oh yeah, we've got them. We'll keep them in the back. We've got a note with your name and number on them. And like, you can come grab them whenever. I was like, awesome. I can grab them in a week because that was the next time I could. And so I came back in a week and I said, hey, I'm here for my sunglasses. My name's the, uh, Jared, the, whatever phone number. And they're like, uh, let me check the back. No sign of them. So whatever random worker there decided, yeah. these are some sweet sunglasses, took out the name, took them home. And I had a massive wave of relief as much as I had anger. It was like, I'm pissed that you people randomly decided to steal my sunglasses and fake holding them in the back. But, but oh, I'm thank also God. I don't have to Yeah, I'm also relieved and now I only buy like the maximum I will spend on on sunglasses like 25 bucks and even that's like whoa, let's chill out. Because I can toss those on the couch, I can drop them, I can accidentally touch the lens and I don't care. It's like whatever. Yeah. And I don't care. I heard a story fun. about one guy and whenever he bought something really nice, the first thing he would do was uh like dent it or injure it in some way. He bought, I think it was like some super nice brand new car. And the first thing he did was he grabbed a hammer and just put a dent in it. And he's like, okay, got that over with. (laughs) Don't need to worry about this anymore. (laughs) I sleep in a bed normally. And I said, okay, I'm going to sleep on a floor. But I'm a pansy, so I still slept on like quilts. I, I folded my one quilt in half and I put that on the floor. And to me, it was basically sleeping on the floor. And I had my, my other small blanket on top and a couple pillows. And for the first week, it was, this sucks. And I'm sleeping direct. I may as well be sleeping directly on the floor. And after that first week, I slept on my bed again for the weekend. And then I went back to it. I was like, this blanket is so sweet. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also don't understand who's just sitting in their car outside with the engine on. <laughs> Like, is that somebody trying to kill themselves in their garage right now? Like, what's going on? They're not very stoic. No, those, those sirens will just get closer to here and it'll be like, oh, you're yeah. <laughs> Some guy's suffocating himself with a carbon monoxide poisoning. <laughs> so you understand you have to be in a garage to do that. <laughs> not just outside here disrupting yeah. my podcast. He's really bad at committing suicide. But this is what, like, I'm not upset. This is one of those things I could perceive as ruining my yeah. podcast to yeah. start over, right? Yeah, but it's like, you know what? Maybe it's just aesthetic. And you know, the perception thing, it's not just about material. It's not just about 
luxury. Mm -hmm. It's also just about what about the things that ruin your life? Yeah. What about the things that like I was in a car accident and it totaled my car yeah. and now I have all these payments to make and now I'm going to be late for working for a week or whatever, but I survived. Yeah. So it's not just your, your perception about the situation of this horrible thing happened to me. Yeah. If you are on the other side of it and able to perceive it, that is also a gift. Yeah. You've just forgotten to perceive that. It's massive. That. Yeah. 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 And it's like, that's what really matters My through the pr- whole thing. Practice for when somebody tells me about something horrible they just got into is, all right, let's take it just a step back for a second. Let's detach from the situation. Do the Jocko thing and say, good. Is <laughs> the sun going to come up tomorrow? Yeah. Will the earth explode? Probably not. So at least we have that. Now yep. let's go from there. Let's yeah. build on top of that. <laughs> if you are able to perceive that there is bad, at least you have perceived there is bad. Yeah. That in itself is good. There you go. So it is really your perception of a situation that mm-hmm. determines whether something is really that bad to you or not. Yeah. Because there are things that detract from you. You could lose a limb, mm-hmm. right? But, and it's, it. hey, it's challenging to find the good in that. <laughs> There's, but it is ultimately your perception which will torture you far more than the physical thing. Yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's crazy how we lose sight of what's actually important. Yes. And what I found is most important is people. It's friends and family. Oh yeah. When I got in my first car accident, it was in my brother's car that our dad was paying for, and so <laughs> I got in this car accident. A guy hits me, and all I'm thinking is one. This is not real. And two, because I'm going to be in so much trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I was like 18 and had just gotten my end, basically. You were telling me about that. Somebody just like practically T-boned you. I take the left turn, mid-left. I look again because I always do it of habit just to check who's there. And there's a car on my window. <laughs> and then it was like I was stopped. I had moved to the left, there's glass everywhere, and I'm like, what the heck is happening? There's smoke, the, what are they called? The airbags had gone off. My <laughs> left arm burned because it the airbag had scorched a, a D shape in my left arm. <laughs> Ow. Yeah, and my first thoughts were like, I'm screwed. Like, this cannot be happening. <laughs> there goes my but, whole day. Yeah, <laughs> and it's even better because I, I went for like a two-minute drive to go get some pizza. Yeah. That's why I went out. Yeah. And um, I I was terrified to call my parents, so I called my brother. <laughs> and what ended up happening is, like, when I eventually talked to my dad about it, he was just, his only thought was about me. Yeah. It's like there was no, for both my parents, like, and my brother, there was no thought about, oh, the car, yeah, whatever. We'll figure that out. But it was, they were just so glad I was alive. I was talking to one of uh, our friends who runs a program called Heads Up Guys that helps Mm. men with mental health. And one of their chief spokespeople was this young guy who was in a car, in a boat accident, sorry. He went really fast. He was told to slow down. Mm. He hit a rock or something. The boat went over and he ended up paralyzed. Mm. Not a vegetable per se, but like he's able to talk, he's able to deal with people. He's just bedridden forever. Mm. And what keeps him going? It's because he wants to help other people beat depression as much as possible. Hmm. So there is a way to change your perception about something to help you surmount even the seemingly impossible. Yeah. Right. Number two, action. 
Seneca said that Stoicism was about acquiring one thing a day, and that's it. Hmm. Marcus Aurelius said it was building your character action by action. Zeno said that well-being was realized by small steps. It's not glamorous, but with time and energy we can make progress. Mm -hmm. It's funny, I think my dad once taught me something very similar about building with Lego. Because you're only able to fit one brick at a time. Mm -hmm. You're not gonna fit giant amounts of bricks. You don't we only have these two hands. Yeah. You're only able to focus on the one thing at a time. So while it's tempting for your imagination to imagine big castles and imagine the palaces and imagine the structures that you will build out of this Lego set, you really will just be able to do one thing at a time. Yeah. And the same comes with anything that you do. We want to I love the advertisements for losing weight are always like lose 30 pounds in six weeks. Mm -hmm. Well, even that is not going to be 30 pounds in a second. Yeah. You know, how you're just going to click on this button and suddenly be a healthier person. Yeah. Like there's the whole there was this thing a while back. I don't remember what the actual article said, but it was eat ice cream, get abs. <laughs> right. It was ridiculous. And the yeah. whole motivation behind all of that is essentially telling you that you can do nothing to get what you want you can be lazy because still lose be 30 pounds in six weeks eat ice cream get abs then you actually read it because those promises are they're mind-blowing to you because it's like oh i can get what i want almost immediately you don't think that it's like okay but yeah but you have to actually do the six weeks <laughs> it's like yeah. P90X is get abs in 90 days. Get totally ripped. 90 days is three months yeah. of working out five to yeah. six days a week for 90 minutes. Crossfit? Let's yeah. crossfit. Dude, P90X is brutal. <laughs> it's insane. Oh, it's only 90 days. Like, no. true, it is only 90 days, but it's, it's not only 90 days. And you know what? It should be slow. Yeah. If you're trying to lose weight, I was talking to a doctor about this. I was asking them, what is the amount of weight that you should lose if you're looking to lose weight but do so healthy? Mm -hmm. One to two pounds a week. Yeah. It's not four pounds even. It's not five. Yeah. It's not like you're not going to lose 30 pounds in a month. That's mm -hmm. insane. It's one to two pounds a week if you want to stay healthy. Yeah. Right? And you will slim down if you keep on it, but... Yeah. It, that's where discipline comes in. You have to build it action by action. Yeah, especially, and it's, it's interesting because there's visible markers of that in just biology for both gaining and losing. Because if you lose weight too fast, you get loose skin. And if you gain weight too fast, you get stretch marks. Yes. And neither of those, they're both permanent. Very unappealing. Yeah. Both but, require surgery to get rid of. Yeah, and it's like the exceptions here are obviously for the extremely obese like I used to my family used to watch Biggest Loser all the time and those people were like 400 pounds and like yeah they're using 10 to, they're losing 10 to 15 pounds in a week because for once in the delight they're running yeah. and it's like yeah you've got so much excess weight you're, you're gonna lose it fast that's fine especially the first bit of weight if you're talking about losing weight you're gonna lose a lot when you start because yeah. you have a lot of fat excess fat that's holding water yeah so. and, but even like 300 400 pound people they're gonna get down to like 250 and then like losing 10, 15, 20 pounds a week. Whoa, it's amazing. And then it's gonna slow down. Once you get to like 250, that's pretty- You're gonna plateau. Yeah. yeah, it's like that's where it gets down to like, if you're extreme, you're losing five pounds a week. And it's a struggle. Yeah. But the same is true of other things. If it's building wealth, mm -hmm. if you're trying to make money, yeah. 
that we are so amazed by these people who make these amazing trades or these amazing investments and make millions in a day. Yeah. That never happens. Mm-hmm. Pretty much nobody does that legally. <laughs> you really have to work hard at like every dollar. You work hard. At, you just stack the bills that you can afford to save every day. Yeah. You watch your the smart investments take up very slowly. They don't mm. go very fa- far and very fast. Mm-hmm. Those are things that you cannot trust. Yeah. There's actually a lot of it. It's funny. People who aren't into investing, when they see something go from a cent to 90 cents, they get really like, wow, let's do this. Investors, when they see that, they get very afraid. Hmm. They're like, this is going to go really badly in the long run. Yeah. It's going to rock it right back down. Yeah. And the Dogecoin saga was something that taught that to a lot of people. It taught yeah. it to me a little bit. Because I got in, I was at a very small price. Yeah. I got in at like eight cents. Yeah. I watched it go up to 83 cents. This is Canadian. Mm-hmm. And I was like, should I hold it? Is it going to go to a dollar? And then I saw Elon Musk on us, and I was like, this is the beginning at the end. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember you were like, I'm selling at a dollar. Yeah. But as soon as he was on, that was its cap. <laughs> Building your savings. Mm-hmm. Um, making moves at work. You're going to get one task done at a time. Yep. You're gonna. You're not going to even get a whole project done in one day. That's hard. That's insane. Yeah. If I was like... I mean, I've gotten used to editing this stuff and putting it out that if I was like, all right, I'm going to put this podcast out tonight, I could yeah. probably do it. But at the cost of what? I wouldn't get anything else done. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought the funniest thing, getting into the workforce, I had kind of the opposite idea as opposed to one day at a time because my job at the time had new work every single day. And every day you would start and finish all of that work. You're completely clear. There's no more work to be done. Next day, new work comes in, you start and finish, and you leave. Done. You've cleared everything, and you don't leave until you're done. Oh, you've got way too much, things aren't going well, you didn't get the right things? 14-hour day, I guess. That's just how it works. You don't leave until that material is out the door and to the client. (laughs) And so once I had that job for almost a year, and then I was like, this sucks, I'm leaving. And my next job was a regular job where I, on my first day, I got assigned like four different tasks, I think. And my thought process was my previous job. I finished all of this today. And day one, I did 10 hours and I was nowhere near done everything. And my coworker was like, you, you can just leave, man. You don't need to stay and finish all this. You can finish tomorrow. I was like, tomorrow? Yeah. I'm not getting new work tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to tasks, there's like a balance to it. Mm-hmm. Because on the one hand, you will never run out of work. Yes. If you know how to find work, if you know how to get it, if, if your workplace is one of those places that's always getting something in, you'll never run out of it. It's a mountain yeah. that will never be surmounted. Yeah, but it's that thing that I didn't, I learned at this second job that, oh, I can take this one day at a time. Yes. I don't need to rush through and get everything done as fast as possible. If the eight hours I have put in here are all productive, yeah. then I can go home knowing that I was productive today. It felt insane and like illegal <laughs> to, oh, it's been eight hours, I'm leaving and my yeah. work's not done. I was right? Like, it was it was awful. I was like, I can't. I have to do the work. <laughs> but, but now it, it goes, oh, I've been doing regular work for so long. That's like you get an assignment and now you finish after a week or two. But if you look at something like even a physical structure. Yeah. You got to do it step by step. Yeah. You're not going to get the whole building 
done. Mm-hmm. It's not going to suddenly pop. Oh, a house was finished in a single step. Mm-hmm. That's not how that works. Even that famous, you know, uh, I want to say it's not quite Zen. It's like very Shaolin. You know, they go, the journey of a thousand steps begins with one. Yeah. Right. So you got to do the one and you got to make sure you do that one. Yeah. That's Maybe you... you can push yourself and do two. Yeah. And some bad days, you won't even be able to get the one. <laughs> Right, but that's, but that's how you get up to the top of the mountain to the ancient temple and learn what the monks have to teach. They're like, this is why we all have toned calves. No. <laughs> <laughs> but one step at a time, one action a day. Mm-hmm. Improve yourself by one thing. Mm-hmm. Aim to do the one, and then you can move on. Yeah, right? there's a pretty common thing saying nowadays where it's like, don't be better than somebody else. Be better than who you were yesterday. They're like, how long should a beginner sit down when they're trying to learn how to meditate? Yeah. Five minutes. Yeah. And that's hard. Pick a book that you've been meaning to read. Yeah. I've read started doing that really lately. And what is it? Two months I read a book. And that's the f- most I've read in like, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Which is fitting because it was the ruthless elimination of hurry. Yeah. Yeah. Which is I'm 50-50 on the book. <laughs> It has some good stuff. It definitely has some good stuff that I'm like, wow, that's actually incredible wisdom. But it's written quite boring. And he keeps trying to say, like, I bet if you're anything like me, you're probably thinking this. And I'm like, I'm nothing like you and I'm not thinking that. Please stop trying to guess who I am. (laughs) When it comes to taking that action every day, when it comes to pushing through the difficulties of even just doing that one step a day, the lesson number three Lesson number three from the Stoics is will. Hmm. Endure and bear what we can and must. Marcus Aurelius said, A blazing fire makes a flame and brightness out of everything that is thrown into it. Treat each and every moment, no matter how challenging, as something to be embraced, not avoided. Hmm. To not only be okay with it, but love it and be better for it. So that like oxygen to a fire, obstacles and adversity become fuel for your potential. Hmm. This is interesting. This year I've been very determined with my goals. I've been very much like, I will make every hour and minute useful. Mm -hmm. I will push myself to work and finish these tasks every day, whether they are for the professional things or my side things. I will push myself to work out. I will push myself to get these things done. And who cares if I haven't gotten a moment to rest? I can rest at the end of the day when I'm sleeping. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, because I'm very fixed on being willful and enduring, Mm -hmm. and then everything around me is like, hey, take a break. Rest. I know. Stop, man. (laughs) You got to make sure you get your own heart. Like, we were talking to a friend the other day who was like, hey, you have to make sure that you play video games for an hour, (laughs) that you rest for an hour. I was like, I actually don't have to. (laughs) <laughs> because I'll walk away from that not feeling fulfilled. Hmm. I'll walk away from knowing that I have put in the whole day's work feeling a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because rest comes in different forms for different people. I remember when I did this missionary training a few years ago, and that was for two months. I lived in one big house with 15 people, and there was this one guy who was a leader. And I saw him putting away dishes and stuff. I can't remember what we were talking about, but I offered to help. And he was like, no, 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 it's all right. Just take a seat and relax. And I was like, how about you relax for once? And he said, this is how I relax. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Because my version of relaxing is sitting on a couch and watching something or playing a game or reading a book or something. But for him, it's cleaning. And that opened my mind 
to things. It changed my perception. I'm like, okay, that what I find not restful is restful for other people. And like loads of super famous people say it's like they hate sitting still. Like I love sitting still. <laughs> it's funny. I've noticed that like if I fill my day with hard things to do, mm-hmm. by the time I get down to editing the podcast, that is a good rest. Yeah. Because before I editing the podcast would be the only thing I had to do in the day. And I would be like, oh my God, I loathe it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sit down and just focus on this one thing. Right. Or even cleaning. Mm-hmm. I've taken a joy in cleaning because I'm spending the whole day working my brain that I know that when I'm cleaning, all I have to do is put on a podcast and just start scrubbing. Yeah. You know, it's those things become my rest mm-hmm. to the point where I actually don't want to be distracted by somebody telling me to come and watch a movie or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which is difficult because I also enjoy that stuff. But mm-hmm. when I'm thinking about making the week productive, it's like yeah. I'll enjoy it when I've been productive. It's been interesting doing this company thing because now after work my old thought process was it's like oh if I had something to edit I was like oh, I don't want to do that I've been doing film stuff all day that's my job I don't want to come home and do my job yeah and now it's like okay I finished my work now I can go home and do the work I, I really want to do yeah <laughs> Some of them are a little excited about getting yeah, to come home and work like, on uh, the spreadsheet. I can go home and build a folder structure. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but it's really enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. And on the other hand, you know, enduring things in general. Mm-hmm. Whether you are pushing through that, like, really burning workout. Mm-hmm. I've upped the reps that I do on uh, my regular workout, and it is much harder now. Mm-hmm. Like, I am dying at the end of the first set i'm like how did adding a few more reps to this make everything way it's more crazy difficult? but you know what if you had started there you couldn't have done it yeah and now that you've built up that base pop it up a little more now you can do that oh my god dude. <laughs> it, having come out the other side by the time i hit the shower by the time i'm like getting in the car to go to work i'm like i'm so glad i did that this morning yeah like i was able to push through it i feel yeah. like kind of proud of that and then the other thing Uh, The other part to it that was mentioned in that quote, you know, sometimes the things that you throw into it feed the fire. Mm. Marcus Aurelius is also very famous for saying the obstacle is the way. Yes. Yeah. Which is, you know, kind of relatable to the idea in video games when when you are encountering bad guys in a video game, it's because you're going the right direction. Mm, Yeah. You're encountering the bad guys that the game designers put there. Yeah. That's such a good point because I've had loads of times in a game where it's like I'm running around trying to find the path and go nobody's here there are no enemies what's going on yeah and then and you that, meet an enemy and you're like I'm, you're like that's oh it. I'm finally back on the right yeah. track yeah <laughs> which is funny because i hate getting lost in video games yeah. it's the thing that pisses me off the most getting lost in video games <laughs> not knowing where to go next that pisses me off yeah so much. when there's nothing going on nobody's anywhere so like the joy of like oh there's a monster down this corridor yeah 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 instead of before where it was like oh there's a monster he's gonna kill me and i'm gonna have to go back to the start i'm like yes yeah i'm on the right path (laughs) in the same sense that like okay i'm meeting difficulties there's two kinds of difficulties you're gonna meet there is the hey there is no road here difficulty of like you're hitting the wall because this isn't where you're supposed to be going yeah and then there's a difficulty of met an obstacle. Find myself sometimes in video games restarting a level mm. that I'm lost in 
just to see if I can recapture the flow. Yeah. And get where, okay, this is where the game is trying to direct me towards. Yeah. But in a business sense, I mean, like, sometimes you come up with an idea and you want to make this idea work, mm-hmm. right? So you start researching the idea, how am I going to put into it, and you start going at it. And sometimes you'll come across something that is an obstacle in the sense of, okay, this is now a new task I have to handle to get this project done. Yeah. But sometimes you'll come up to the obstacle that tells you this isn't actually possible. Mm. So the wisdom to discern which is which is actually very difficult sometimes. Yeah. But when you do discern that, okay, I've met this obstacle because now I know what I have to tackle to get this done, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. You know? First time I was starting a podcast, when I was learning about an RSS feed, what that is, how to get it, mm-hmm. took me a little bit. But like when I learned about it, I was like, oh, okay, so now if I get an RSS feed, then I will be able to have something to actually publish the podcast to. Yeah. So once I learned about that, I was like, okay, new obstacle. Mm-hmm. But that was the way. Yeah. Much like Aurelius once said. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, the obstacle, that problem becomes the thing that you get to throw into the fire to grow the fire. Mm-hmm. Right? In that metaphor, you are the fire, of course. And that would be the three lessons that we learned three major lessons that anybody can learn from the Stoics. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to those four values that you dug up. It was wisdom, courage, temperance, and justice. So wisdom, the love of wisdom, the want for it, Mm -hmm. is where a lot of philosophy has its origins. Mm -hmm. The first philosophers would go that we do this because we love wisdom. We love having learned things and attain these lessons and being able to apply them in our lives. Mm-hmm. Then we go from wisdom to... Courage. Courage. This is a big one for the Stoics. Because that courage is what will push you forward to endure. Mm-hmm. And that endurance is what will allow you to take action. And those things are what better prepare you to be able to handle the bad things in your life and how you perceive them. Mm-hmm. Right? And courage is a really big deal, especially because for the Stoics, because if you think about someone like Marcus Aurelius, who was a Roman emperor, he was probably surrounded by a bunch of people who wanted his job. Yeah, not just that, but people that wanted him dead. Yeah. To be a Roman emperor, there were cults that believed you were a god. Yeah. Yeah, because everything you said was the law. Yeah, something I heard recently. It's like Marcus Aurelius, he had lots of sons, but they also died. Yes. Before him. The courage to go on. Three sons just died, but I still need to lead this army and have my country win this war. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Temperance plays a big role in that. Mm-hmm. That third value. Temperance. The Stoics. Whenever we think about them now, we always think about them. They're the guys who help you figure out how not to get mad in a situation. <laughs> how to change the way you perceive about it so that you're not yelling at the Asian girl at the Starbucks. <laughs> You know, it's make sure you are well-tempered about your situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And your perception is obviously going to play a very big role into that, right? Your willingness to endure the difficulty that is being presented to you so that you are able to keep your temperance, Mm -hmm. keep your temper, right? That's why we call it that. Oh, I never connected those dots. Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So temperance and then lastly justice yes which i've heard is the most important one apparently can you expand on that one no not really <laughs> i watched the video literally just this morning and i was shaving while they were talking about this part wow. so <laughs> i missed it <laughs> justice being able to justly discern what is and is not good yeah and that hmm. will help you in deciding do I really need to get this ice cream? 
and bring it home. I wonder if justice is the most important one because it's essentially is the culmination of the previous three. And I'm thinking with this example, what I learned recently is that Nelson Mandela actually, during his jail time, 27 years, studied Marx Aurelius meditations and probably various other stoic things. And he came out of jail and immediately was made president. And everybody thought he would punish all the people involved with his jail time and everything around it and apartheid and whatnot. But instead he said, like stuff like forgive them and let's move on and let's build a better future things like that and that's i think that's the justice piece or it's like it's it's essentially all four of them it's like he had the wisdom to see that if he just did that then it would keep that cycle going and now there's just a different kind of oppression going on and he had the courage to actually do that thing it's interesting because on that same kind of note there were two roman emperors that i can use as a example here emperor sulla he created this thing called prescriptions which he would put these giant stone tablets in the main city square Mm. and if your name was written on there people could kill you and whoever killed you got your stuff oh shoot that's how he got rid of his enemies and his (laughs) traitors when he became emperor he was like prescriptions dang and the emperors after him did the same thing they would get rid of all their enemies and all the people who would be play a role mm-hmm. in their downfall with these prescriptions. But then Julius Caesar takes charge. No prescriptions. Hmm. Let's forgive everybody. His uh, a couple of centurions come up to him. Is like, sir, we found a chest full of letters to and from all of your conspirators. We can start digging through them right now. We can find the people who are even in your own court who are planning to betray you or planning to switch sides or play mm. both sides. He goes, thank you for finding it, burn it. Dang. <laughs> I don't want to look at him. Everyone is forgiven. <laughs> right? Just like Nelson Mandela kind of yeah. does, right? I'm yeah. sure Marcus Aurelius is probably of the same mind. Mm-hmm. Justice isn't just about punishing things, mm-hmm. right? Because we look at our justice system and the way that we tend to think about it, we go punitive. Mm-hmm. It's put the bad guy in prison. Yeah. Right? Make it right by giving good things to the people who are... It's not about that. It's about how can we move forward? Mm-hmm. I and think what actually could be popped in here is some biblical wisdom of it is not flesh and blood we fight against, but the spirits and powers of evil and stuff like that. Essentially thinking the true justice is not in punishing the people who did the bad thing. It's erasing the bad thing from existence, not letting it ever happen again. So yes. let's move forward and create a society and become better people that are good and have a society created around the idea of good and justice and righteousness yeah. so that nobody permits these, nobody commits these evil it's things. It's not actually about pu- putting the bad guy in a box yeah. because we want to punish him. Yeah. It's because we're afraid he's going to do things if we don't put him in a box. There is an adverse to that, though. You know, like I once mentioned uh, the concept of the 12 jewels of Islam, mm-hmm. right? And in the order of these jewels, justice comes before equality. Hmm. And that comes before freedom so that you cannot have, you cannot be free and you cannot be equal to your fellow man without there being justice, Mm. something to recompense against people who are rising above each other. Mm -hmm. Personally, I don't, I think that order is reversed. You have to be free first. Hmm. Uh, You got to be free. And then through freedom, you can find equality because then you will actually be free to rise up to the station of your fellow man. Yeah. And then when everybody is equal, then we can actually be just in our dealings. Yeah. But justice in the way of 
the very root of it, the Stoics valued it, is applying your wisdom. Mm-hmm. Being tempered to apply your wisdom. And being courageous enough to make the just decision yeah. whether or not it will help or benefit the way that other people see you. Yeah. But to be able to make a just decision in what is good and what is right. Mm-hmm. We can leave off here with one of my favorite things that Marcus Aurelius ever said. If it is not right, don't do it. If it's not true, don't say it. Yep. Which is something that sounds so <laughs> basic and like <laughs> obvious, but it's so hard for people to apply. I, even just earlier today, I went through a McDonald's drive-thru to get a bacon egg or I didn't eat. <laughs> I shouldn't have. That was not right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have anything to add? Mother Teresa said the exact same thing. So. There was a guy... Mother Teresa was ripping us all off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she said, I shouldn't have gotten that bacon and egg. <laughs> no, but she was... Some understudy of hers was asking, like, how do I... I feel distant from God. How do I get closer? And she said, if you spend an hour a day adoring our Lord and never do anything you know to be wrong, you're good. Yeah. And it's like, ne- that hit me. Never do anything you know to be wrong. I was like... Huh. You know it's wrong. It's obvious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all this, that's the thing with all the stoicism and everything. It's obvious, which yeah. is mind blowing. That's actually a big reason why I believe that you need to be free first. Because in being free, you are in your most natural state. And you naturally have a conscience. Conscious has already equipped you to know all these things yeah. and do them. Yeah. It was, uh, we got in a big debate over one of these quotes by Epicurus recently. Hmm. Where he oh, went, yes. uh, if you don't really need to pray to God for the things that are in your reach. Or mm-hmm. to the gods, as he said. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because in his eyes, you already have the means to do them. Yeah. It's not that you're trying to get your wish granted. It's that your wish has been granted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this old story I heard when I was a kid about this guy. He's like, there's a big tsunami or something. And he's on the top of his house and it's everything's flooded. And he's he's praying to God to rescue him. People in a rowboat come by and say, hey, dude, hop on. He's like, no, 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 I'm waiting for God. And then a speedboat comes by and they're like, dude, hop on. We've we've got this. We can take you to this place. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm waiting for God. A helicopter drops down, megaphone. Grab the ladder. Get in. He's like, I'm good. I'm waiting for God. And then the water levels rise and he drowns. And he gets to heaven and he goes, God, what the heck? I prayed. And he's like, I sent you a rowboat, a speedboat, and a helicopter. And you did nothing. This is on you. (laughs) (laughs) It's also very interesting. It's like the Stoics do talk about hoping for things, desiring Mm -hmm. for things, wanting them. To Epicurus, it was, why, what more could you want? Mm -hmm. You have, literally, the world is in front of you right now. Yeah. You know, what else could you want to desire? Yeah. What are these people who are always on about riches and stuff? What, so you can have more of the world that you already have? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Favorite story um, along those lines was from a missionary who went, there were sailors who were lost in in the sea, Mm -hmm. and they were praying for a west wind. And then one of them went, wait, hang on. What if there are other sailors lost in the same sea, and they are praying for an east wind? (laughs) (laughs) So they finally agreed, you know what, let's just pray for good wind <laughs> to help them through 
this has been us here at the Forestry Podcast, wishing you the best of wind. <laughs> hopefully you learned something today about Greek philosophy, about Stoicism, about uh, what you need to accomplish your goals and take your one action a day to endure your problems, to keep your temperance under control, to continue to love wisdom. Am I going to list all the things out? We're yeah. good. We're good. You heard about <laughs> Forest Creek on YouTube, on Spotify, on Instagram. We're actually on YouTube.com slash at the real Forest Creek to get right to us. That's the URL. If you want to talk to us about any of the things that you heard on this show or are interested in introducing more topics that we'd love to explore what you would like to hear too. Mm-hmm. Uh, at theforestcreek at gmail.com send us an email you can even comment on any of our posts or videos yeah, there's only like two comments on every video so we read them all yeah we read them all <laughs> we read them all and then we share them and we laugh at you <laughs> no 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 Mary H wrote a very nice comment on our last video talking about Louis C.K. which uh, I, I, I took that to heart I was very very happy to hear yeah, that yeah that was That's a great comment good. yeah our next episode we're actually going to be looking into learning about chat gpt oh. i've been playing with that a lot and i'm kind of excited <laughs> to talk about it i know almost nothing about it this uh, podcast was entirely scripted by chat GPT. <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding this is all us off the door we're just reading a script <laughs> <laughs> we'll start the next episode just reading the script and yeah, see if you guys can twist. tell the difference <laughs> probably can <laughs> Uh, we're also looking forward to seeing Tim Dillon at the end of this February, although it's cool. it's up in the air because Tim just got COVID. I'm sure it's fun. I'm sure it'll be fun too. It's it's exactly two weeks from the day he got it. Yeah, there's no excuses, Tim. <laughs> uh, we hope you enjoyed our podcast today, our last podcast, mostly useless information and mostly wasted time. And the podcast before that, where we did talk about Louis C.K., noticing that we actually have a lot of success talking about comedians. We'll probably continue <laughs> to do that. Our business side of things is continuing to open up. We're really excited to launch that because it'll give us the room to do more fun stuff and then help more people with their own brands and businesses and ideas that they want to bring out, whether it is a charity or a ministry or a product or a real estate listing. You can reach out to us at theforestcreek at gmail.com. We'd love to talk about what we can do for you as well. This has been Raph. I'm Jared. On the Forest Creek Podcast. We'll catch you next time. See ya.